You are listening to the Compliance Conversations podcast by Healthicity. If you work in the healthcare industry, you know how crucial compliance is to your bottom line, your reputation, and the success of your organization as a whole. If this is your first time listening, welcome. A transcript of every Compliance Conversations episode can be found at www.healthicity.com resources, along with a ton of other thought leadership materials. You can add us to your RSS feed and iTunes, or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Compliance Conversations. I am CJ Wolf with Healthicity, and... Today's guest is compliance consultant and author, Susan Wahlberg. Welcome to the podcast, Susan. Thank you so much, CJ. I'm happy to be here. We are excited to talk to you today. Um, and before we get into our topic, um, we always love to have our guests tell us a little bit about how they got where they are. You know, we all come into compliance from like different paths, right? Like who grows up thinking, I'm going to be a compliance officer. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, so it's always interesting to hear from people like what brought them into compliance and what they're doing today and a little bit about their journey. So, you know, if you have, if you want to, to share a little bit about that, we'd love to hear it. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, yeah, I didn't grow up wanting to be a compliance officer. Actually, I wanted to be a writer as a kid. So I've kind of come from full circle. But um, my first real job was at Blue Shield and I worked my way up to be a medical underwriter and then a fraud investigator. This was in Seattle. And uh, I went to school at night to get a law degree. Um, first I got a master's and then a law degree at night because yeah. the fraud investigations were fascinating to me. And I became really familiar with the legal process and it just, it just became kind of something that I wanted to do. So I went to law school at night um, and then ended up working for a large health system and they recruited me, they didn't recruit me, they hired me from an in, informational interview um, to be uh, jointly owned by the legal and compliance department. And I had never even heard of a compliance department at that point. Right. It was pretty new. This was like back in the late 90s. So I'm, exactly. you know, I've been at it a while. Um, <laughs> but I ended up moving over 100% to the compliance shop. And that was... Um, I was there for probably eight or nine years before moving to the East Coast. And then I got my first actual compliance officer job. So I've done healthcare investigations um, in-house counsel. I did about a year working as a subcontractor under Medicare doing Part C and D fraud and abuse, which was oh, really wow. interesting experience too. So yeah. um, I've been around for a while and I've written a couple of compliance books. One is um, for compliance officers like for newbies or someone who's building a program for the first time. Okay. That's Insider's Guide to Compliance. My second one is for physician practices, but that one is really any small healthcare organization that can't afford a compliance officer. It's kind of the how-to guide if you're not a compliance person. So yeah. those are, are um, kind of my side gig. And I've written a, a couple novels, but the second one is a medical legal thriller. So that one also people might be interested in if they like fiction. It's a compliance thriller, really. <laughs> um, hey, that's cool. Yeah. So I'm living in Florida now. I work with a lot of clients that are under CIAs. I've worked with some startups, still am, in fact. Um, okay. I got interested in this topic just by happenstance when I read a FTC article and it got me thinking and doing a little research. So I started my next book, which is um, Health Tech and Compliance, which is what we're gonna talk about today, I guess. 
Yeah, that's absolutely right. And uh, for those listening uh, in the show notes, we'll include some links to um, uh, information about uh, Susan, as well as links to her books, uh, if you want to check those out. Um, the, the one that, um, you know, because I'm an MD by schooling, even though I, I've been doing compliance full time and left kind of the clinical route, that one about the uh, physician practices kind of caught my attention. And we have a lot of listeners who are kind of in that space where, um, you know, they may be in a small practice, they know compliance is important, but they don't have the resources, you know, to hire a Susan Wahlberg <laughs> full time. Right. Uh, and so they are looking for, for those kind of tools and, you know, Healthicity has some tools as well to help those individuals. So uh, that one looks like a really interesting one to me. Great. Thank you. Um, and you are right. We are talking today about health tech, right? And mm -hmm. that's such a, um, a big topic. So uh, we'll, we probably won't be able to cover every little thing under the sun, right? But a lot of us hear about it, right? Our, our lives in general are becoming more technology driven, right? Exactly. Um, and you know, I'm like you. I started compliance back in the uh, in the '90s and was using you know paper and pencil and and maybe an email or two, and um, and then it went to spreadsheets, and and now we've got software to help you run compliance programs, and 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 that's uh, you know, and then in our personal lives, and so uh, all sorts of interesting things under this this large topic. So um, let's jump right in and kind of maybe, at least in your opinion, level set a little bit and share what you think we're referring to when, when we all talk about quote unquote healthcare technology. Sure, sure. And, you know, I'll disclaim from the get-go that this isn't everything, but these are the sorts of technologies that I've been kind of digging into um, from the regulatory perspective. I will also disclaim that I am not a techie person. I'm a regulatory person. I tell people <laughs> that I can barely spell IT, which is kind of an exaggeration, but I just want to disclaim that this is, you know, me being on the regulatory side. So gotcha. um, with that being said, one of the big ones is apps just in general, because apps are something that are used by everyday people. They put their own information into it. There's, there's just a lot of activity. There's thousands of new startups and new apps every year. There's also apps that are being used within the provider or insurance communities. And those are treated differently, you know, from a regulatory perspective. There's mm -hmm. connected devices, wearables, implantables, software. Um, there's all be obviously a big growing movement in the telehealth space. There's whole practices okay. being developed with nothing but telehealth. And they yep. use these other tools as well. So technology is the entire practice. Um, and lastly, artificial intelligence is the big thing on everybody's mind as well. Um, and that is a moving target from a regulatory perspective. And that's one that I'm I'm finding fascinating from a variety of standpoints. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you mentioned some some uh, topics there that we've done a couple past podcasts on. So if people are interested in a deeper dive, check out some episodes and, and maybe we can put some of these episodes in the show notes. There was one, we talked to a gentleman who's an expert in software as a medical device. Um, he talked about wearables and some of those things. Uh, and then just recently, I think our, our most recent podcast that we released was uh, with a doctor who has expertise in AI in a, you know, in a, in a specific part of, of uh, healthcare, which was kind of assessing medical records with AI to mm -hmm. help 
clinicians improve care and improve documentation. And so, uh, you know, check out some of those episodes um, if if that uh, is it of interest to you. Excellent. Yeah. So that's you know that's a, a really uh, good kind of. Um, definition or at least a, you know something we can use to talk about and because we're talking you know we're compliance nerds <laughs> let's talk a little bit about what you think some of those compliance risks might be related to health tech if, if you've kind of come across some of those already sure sure um i mean the big one and the one that i hear as soon as i talk to a startup is obviously privacy and security um yeah. and that's i mean that's a big one from the standpoint of AI from the standpoint of apps, wearables, all of these things pose a vulnerability if they might be hacked, if there's issues with access. Um, there's just, I mean, I don't have to go into the HIPAA risks with, you know, the health tech space in general. I mean, privacy and security is number one on yeah, everybody's absolutely. mind. Um, what I think is interesting is some of the other risks that we're seeing um, more and more of, and especially on the enforcement side. So one of them is um, patient safety is a big risk. So if you have things that are being run by a software program or wearables, and those things, oh, software is a medical device or medical devices in general that are diagnosing or facilitating some sort of an impact on a patient, those things can be a safety risk that goes along with privacy and security, obviously, but it's it's a different way of kind of looking at it. Um, another, the hacking and the malware access I already mentioned. Um, another note on the privacy side when it comes to AI, and this is something that kind of concerns me, it's an open question as far as I'm concerned, is how are the AI tools being trained where's that information coming from? Um, in other words, are, is patient information being fed to inform AI systems and to teach them? Yeah. Um, patients consented to that. Um, yeah. do they, are they aware of that? Um, right. Then there's the consent aspect of that. So I'm kind of, I'm sorry, I'm kind of going down a little rabbit hole and going a little bit sideways here, but um, I think some of those are the big concerns on the other side is fraud and abuse. So mm -hmm. we're seeing cases, and this is this is my sweet spot. I love these cases because they're fascinating. Right. But right. we're seeing cases where cybersecurity is being prosecuted under the False Claims Act or settled out under False Claims Act. So you have fraud and abuse cases that involve, for instance, free EHR being given to physicians or provider groups yes. uh, or referral arrangements. And I'll get into some of those cases, but the fraud and abuse piece is real. Um, and another risk area is marketing. So yeah. the FTC has been very interested in categorizing cyber-related shortcomings um, as uh, unfair or deceptive practice yeah. when certain conditions are met. So it's really a lot broader than just privacy and security that we typically think of. There's just yep. a lot of other issues that are coming into play and they're being prosecuted or settled out with the federal government um, under a lot of interesting 
legal theories. Yeah, so interesting, you know, and and one that, you know, I recently read the um, OIG's uh, general program compliance guidance, right? Um, and they talk about information blocking as well. I know that might not affect a lot of providers as much, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, these technology brings these these new things uh, into, into healthcare. Um, the other thing that, you know, since you're kind of this medical thriller author, um, you may be familiar when you're talking about medical devices, you may be familiar with the, the Showtime series uh, Homeland. And this is a, a spoiler alert if no one's watched it, but it's been out there for years. So you better watch it. If you haven't watched it yet, you may remember there was an episode where the, the I think it was the vice president had a, a pacemaker or some heart device and, uh, you know, terrorists and bad guys were hacking into that device. I don't know how realistic that is. I'm not a techie person either, but it made for, for good storytelling. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, those types of things you do have to worry about, especially with remote monitoring, that's becoming yep. a lot more common, right? With uh, um, clinically um, monitoring people, because it, it can be a cost savings and a quality improvement when you can monitor things in real time from home or, you know, from outside the office. So, yeah, exactly. And think about think about implantable devices. What if yeah. a controversial senator had an implantable, you know, I don't know, pacemaker? I don't know how pacemakers are yep. handled, but what if someone hacked into it and did a number on it yep. for political reasons? I mean, I can think of all sorts exactly. of interesting yeah. father for another book but um exactly <laughs> yeah and, it's, it is interesting and scary yeah and that's exactly what happened in that showtime episode that i was watching it they were hacking in to kind of do bad things to them so i'll have uh, to watch that i i confess i have not so it's super good anyway um we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come right back with uh talking to susan some more if it seems like the oig is constantly making work plan updates it's because well they are who has the time to stay up on all those new changes? We do. Each month, CJ Wolf issues a monthly OIG work plan e-brief to make it easy for you to keep up with all the updates coming your way. Head over to healthicity.com resources to check out e-briefs, webinars, blogs, and so much more. Now let's get back to CJ for the rest of this episode of Compliance Conversations. Welcome back everyone from the break. We are talking with Susan Wahlberg, who is a compliance consultant and an author, and we're talking about health tech. And um, we're, we're gonna move on a little bit and now talk about how health tech might be regulated, like what is, what's currently you know, in place for it to be regulated, and then what might be some of those gaps. So Susan, do you have any thoughts kind of on that topic? Sure. Um, and what I found in researching this has been so fascinating because it seems like everybody wants a piece of this. Um, so I'll kind of go down the list of players here. Uh, obviously, Health and Human Services, they have HIPAA and all the related HIPAA privacy and security regs. Um, right. So, I mean, we know that piece. One that's a big player these days is um, Federal Trade Commission, FTC. So the okay. FTC has a breach notification rule as well. And what's interesting about that is that a couple of things. First of all, it specifically excludes, per their own statement, covered entities under HIPAA. So mm. this is health providers, 
okay. who by definition include a variety of vendors that provide health tech. So that's ah. interesting in terms of the applicability with, um, for instance, app developers. Okay, so an app developer under this FTC rule is now a healthcare provider. Fascinating. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. And that has had um, enforcement activity. They issued a memo okay. clarifying in, in 2021 that they are going to be enforcing this and that they do mean all these people are included. The other thing that's interesting is what is a breach? A breach okay. is basically any disclosure that has not been authorized. So it's not just getting hacked um, or, you know, whatever. It's right. anytime. So if you, for instance, log into an app and you put your, you know, blood sugar readings in there or whatever that you're using to track your diabetes, right? those things are not necessarily protected. So they were selling information to to google to facebook i mean there was a pretty uh -huh. much a super highway from yeah. a lot of these apps going right to yeah. big tech yeah. and that's a big deal i mean in my yeah. mind when you talk about gaps they're starting to fill that gap but i think it's a pretty big one still yeah because that data is king right like you know yep. these big i mean that's how they they make algorithms for advertising for decision making for you know so I hear that loud and clear. Yeah, it's it's a huge one. It's definitely a huge one. Um, the other one, oh, on the FTC note, the deceptive practices too. So they've been applying that, the um, Federal Trade Commission Act, and that's the one that gets at the unfair practices. And they've been using, and I have a case, I'll talk about that one in a little bit, but they they do use that to go after cybersecurity failures. So it's it's interesting um, how the FTC is is getting into this. The other big one is the FDA. Um, okay. When you think about these devices that are classified as medical devices and software as medical device, right. um, that's all coming under FDA purview. So the Food, Drug, and Cosmetics Act now applies to. A lot of medical devices, but not all. So, gotcha. you know, there's a lot of steps to go through that analysis in terms of, you know, what function they perform, how they perform it. But if they're impacting a, a human being, basically, um, directly, yeah. you can consider it as a medical device. So that's that's another one there. The FDA is very interested in cybersecurity. So if you go on their website, you're going to see all kinds of stuff about cybersecurity as well. So yeah. in addition um, to those, you've got the Department of Justice and the U.S. Attorney's Office, Homeland Security. I mean, these are all folks that are getting really involved and are worrying about this. The, um, yeah. the Department of Justice has a civil cyber fraud initiative, and that's where we're going to get a couple of these cases where it doesn't look like it's a false claims act or a kickback case. It looks like it's a cyber issue, but no, they're going after it as false claims. So interesting. those are the players on some of the key laws that are um, in play right now. 
Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned you're in Florida. You can correct me if I'm wrong. This is kind of in the HIPAA space. It's really more of the privacy space. Didn't Florida have a, a law that went into place where um, data like patient data could not go offshore other than North America? I think they allowed Canada and the U.S. Are you familiar with that one? It sounds familiar, but I haven't read it closely to speak with any okay. kind of expertise on it. Yeah. So I, I, I and it, you know, I shouldn't. I'm not an expert in it either, but I, I just remember hearing about that and that uh, some people ask me questions about it. Um, and so state laws might come into some of this, especially Lots some of state of, laws, especially around yeah. breaches. Yeah. Yeah. We're state, some of the more active states like California and, and some of these others that are a little bit more regulatory in, in their kind of. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, believe me, when I worked on the West Coast, California was always, I, know. Know, I, was, I was on the West Coast when HIPAA became a law. So trust and believe we had a breach that we had to look up breach notification laws in like 15 different states. And California yeah. was right up at the top with Absolutely. You know, all the steps we had to go through. Um, so let's kind of transition a little bit and talk about some of those cases and how um, this, you know, this patchwork of these laws, how they're currently being applied, you know, what might be some of the enforcement activities relating to health tech products and, and companies that you're aware of. Sure. And I've got a couple that um, are probably familiar names. So I'll start off with the biggie, which is GoodRx. So yeah. GoodRx is an app and it's used by consumers and pharmacy benefit managers to provide discounts. In fact, I use it. I don't use the app, but I use the tool, um, the mm -hmm. discount tool. But that case was, pro, um, it was the FTC that went after them under the breach notification rule. And the purpose was because they didn't notify the consumers of how they were using the data. And this is a classic case where it went to Google, it went to Facebook, getting sold out 55 million consumers were um you know using good rx so they had a 1.5 million dollar fine but it was it was ftc and that was breach notification and again it wasn't a hack it was just unauthorized disclosure then good rx okay. is a huge company though so that definitely made the news um let's see yeah. what's another interesting one Modernizing medicine, that's an EHR tech vendor. And they're a Florida okay. company. And this one had a $45 million fine. And they had a little quote unquote business partner who got fined 63 million. So this case, wow. they were found to have violated the False Claims Act. Um, they were providing, accepting and providing quote unquote, unlawful remuneration in exchange for referrals and causing inaccurate reporting under meaningful use. So okay. by virtue of that little gem, that put them into the ability to call it a false claims act. Ah, interesting. But they also went after it for deceptive trade practices, I believe. Um, okay. They went after them for a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, but False Claims Act is key because when they use that, as I'm sure you know, they can do trouble damages. Exactly. So they love that tool. So Modernizing Medicine, that was in 2022. That was a tech vendor. I'm finding it fascinating, I guess, in general, that these some of these tech vendors are being prosecuted under traditional healthcare laws. It's, yeah. it's fascinating to me. Some of them are business associates. 
but they're not even being, you know, chased down because of HIPAA. They're using the big tools. They're using yeah. the, the False Claims Act. Um, there's what will quote. be interesting. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, there's a quote out of this case from the Department of Justice saying vendors of EHRs will be held to the same standards of compliance as providers. There you go. Yeah, exactly. And what I was going to say, sorry to interrupt you before, um, the it will be interesting as those theories become more um, uh, as as individuals and employees become more aware of those theories. As you mentioned with the False Claims Act, there'll be whistleblowers too. And so, uh -huh. yes, you know the DOJ comes from it from one angle, but you also have those incentives for whistleblowers to bring these things sort of things forward as, as they become more uh, aware of those kind of theories. So that will probably be interesting to see how that kind of progresses over the years. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and another aspect of this for people to just be aware of is, you know, the marketing programs were at the root of this. Yeah. So whether you're working in a tech company or maybe you're the person trying to decide what vendor to go with, be very wary of freebies and referral arrangements where they're like, we'll give you X if you send people to our product or our website yeah. or our services or whatever. Um, you know, in the past, growing up with this, like you did too, um, you know, kickbacks were, you know, between like physicians and labs or something like that, not a EHR vendor. So it's exactly. different. It's a different world. Um, yeah, the, the OIG in there, again, in this uh, general compliance program guidance document, they have a, a section on what they call new entrants into the healthcare industry. And they reference that where, you know, people who are coming into healthcare and are used to marketing and other things that are okay in other industries, right? Like if I yep. go open a bank account or get a new visa card, they can give me $300 on my next statement or something, or give me a toaster. Uh, that's just not allowed in healthcare. And so the OIG brought that up as look, these new entrants that are coming in, you gotta get used to this environment. <laughs> Exactly. You know, and when I work with startups and they say, well, we need a compliance program. And so I ask them, OK, well, what are your concerns? And it's privacy and security. Right. Which they, it should be. I mean, I'm not saying that's wrong, but right. they don't. I mean, this kind of stuff is not on their radar at all. So, you know, yeah. a lot of people unwittingly can just like the physician practices, right, that don't have compliance backgrounds. People just unwittingly do what looks like good business. You yeah. know, to get referrals or to get started or whatever. And then they find themselves in the crosshair, especially as you say, if we start having more whistleblowers as people get more informed. Um, yeah. Yep. It's uh, one other case I want to mention for sure. And I don't know how we are on time, but the jelly bean case was a fascinating case also. And I don't know if you're familiar with that one. No, um, I'm not. Oh, okay. It was jelly bean communications design. And they did websites design. Okay. And they did a website for, let me get the name right, Florida Healthy Kids Corporation, which was federally funded kids insurance program. Uh, and they had an online app. And so people could put their information in and apply online. You already know where this is going, right? Yeah. Um, I'm surprised it didn't go under the online Children's Online Privacy Act, but it did not. Um, they had supposedly HIPAA compliant hosting, which is what they claimed, but 
They did not, and they yeah. were hacked. And oh half a million applicants were compromised in that oh one. Yeah. So this is another one where they went after a web developer okay. under the False Claims Act for a HIPAA oh, violation. So that is so <laughs> that interesting. Just makes my brain twitch. Like, wow. Wow. And uh, all these cases, I'm assuming, were settlements. They didn't go to 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 trial. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, some of them they some of them they pay fines. Some of them they just put them under a really onerous kind of like a corrective action plan, similar to the corporate integrity agreements that we see now. Um, Gotcha. Are those corrective action plans uh, public like the OIG CIAs? You know, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. I didn't go and look it up. So okay. I'm going to have to go look it up now. I would imagine yeah, it is. I know sometimes the FTC and you're probably more versed, well versed in than I, but they sometimes will post like press releases and stuff, at least like the, the DOJ does. So it gives right. us ideas of what's going on. And a lot um, of I'm times there's a link curious. where it's on their website to look at the case. Yeah. yeah, I'm always curious and digging deeper. I often go to PACER, which, mm -hmm. you know, you probably know and, and our listeners, uh, public access to court electronic records, because I want to see complaints. I want to see what did the complainant bring? What are the details? Because some of those DOJ press releases kind of start to read the same over and over again. They yeah, they do. They have their canned language and then they they stick yeah. in the the other stuff. So um I don't know if you want any more cases. There's yeah, we, we have a couple more minutes. Um maybe if you if you can share one more and, and any of the other uh, concluding thoughts and and while you were talking I did look up that that Florida law um Google's Google's good for me. Uh, oh, yeah. It was the uh, it it amended. It was a law that Governor DeSantis signed in May of 2023, um, Bill CSCS SB 264, amending the Florida Electronic Health Records Exchange Act, which effective July 1st of 2023, the law required that the offsite storage of certain personal medical information be physically maintained in the continental continental US, US territories or Canada. So, you know, I think that means again, I'm not a lawyer, but I think that means you can't have, you know, servers in uh, India or Asia or something with this personal information according to this Florida law. So, anyway. Interesting. So, what if yeah. your what if your corporate headquarters is in Delaware and you have a subsidiary in Florida or I mean, I can just see all sorts of yeah, exactly. Angles on this where this could turn into a much bigger thing than just Florida. Yeah. And it's new. So we'll see where it goes. But uh, I just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah. So if you have what, one more case or any other concluding thoughts that you think might be interesting. OK, I have one. Um, let's see. SkyMed is another FTC case. They did emergency medical evaluations. Um, I think insurance evaluations. They okay. used um, a HIPAA logo on their website as if to suggest that they were you know HIPAA compliant right and they also did not secure records so they made a lot of implied claims didn't secure records they were prosecuted as unfair practice um, under FTC for a failure to secure and also for the use of the HIPAA logo um, and this one is one of the companies that was made to enact a compliance program and have monitoring by the government or maybe an IRO type situation. 
So yeah. that one was was another big one um, that was, I just feel like it's interesting because I look at how they prosecute them and it's, it's there's like several yeah. different ways. And yeah. I like to see who is it that grabs this case? You know, right. it's not HHS. It's right. some of these other guys. And that's yeah. what I find so interesting. I mean, there's a ton that of is I put them a lot of them in my, I'm trying to, every section in my book, I'm trying to put a case in each okay. section to show it because there's so many out there. And to me, it's, that's what makes this real and, and interesting is seeing how it plays out and seeing the emphasis now um, from so many agencies. Yeah. I love reading those cases. Cause that's like how this <clears throat> theoretical, you know, as compliance officers, we're always saying, this is what could go wrong. And then you, well, here's where it actually did go wrong. Here's the storyline. Um, and so I'm excited. Uh, when, when do you anticipate the the book to kind of come out? I know those deadlines are always moving, but. Yeah, that's the, well, it's been through <laughs> one round of editing and I'm doing my my updates after the editor. So I'm going to get a couple, couple beta readers or probably more than okay. a couple. Um, and certainly if someone's in this space and is interesting in, in reading over some of it, you know, reach out to me, you know, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, Cause I'll be looking for that just as quality control and input. Um, yeah. So I, I'd like to say within six months. Okay. But I'm, I'm working on two books right now and I'm doing my day job as well. So yeah. I was going to have it done this year and then I moved and it took about three or four months out of my life. And um, so everything kind of got shuffled around this year. Yeah, of course. I'm back in the saddle and I'm going to try and crank that thing out soon. But the thing Good. is, with this book and with this topic, it changes every day. I so know, right? Like every day you go and look on the FTC website, for instance, and you'll see some new thing that they're doing, some new initiative or a new case, something. It's it's truly the, the hot topic. Um, yeah, and it, and it's moving so fast, you're going to have to make new editions of that book every year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I guess for a couple of closing thoughts, I mean, for people who are not in a tech startup um, thinking it might not apply to you, I would just recommend that, you know, be aware of those marketing practices because like yeah. the kickback statute, it applies to both sides of the transaction. So right. just be right. aware of that. They, it's, it's a risk, obviously check any vendors very carefully. Don't just sign contracts, you know, find out about their, their privacy and security practices, their compliance programs, make sure that they're up to par, do your due diligence. In other words, um, yeah. And don't take any freebies without at least talking to, you know, compliance or legal or whoever you talk to just to validate, um, even if it seems like a good deal that would really help the practice. Sometimes those yeah. things come with strings you don't want. Yeah, they're often good intention, but, you know, in our marketing folks, and I love them, um, they they're trying to do what they've been trained to do, which is, you know, generate business. And so they're very, they're very um creative and, and again I, I don't think anyone's doing it on purpose but you just need to be used to the environment in healthcare is different than other industries and so your point it, i think is it, it truly is and you know it's just a lot of it just comes down to education you know right. making sure that, that people really do understand especially if you've got a smaller practice and i mean you know i've had clients that are basically barely making payroll Right. Um, they might like the idea of a free EHR system in exchange for X um, yep. or whatever, you know, it's just, 
And I, I've heard that my whole career, even in mega health systems. It's like, yeah, but we, you know, we'd get a great savings, blah, blah, right. blah. It's like, oh, at what cost there, honey? I mean, come on. Exactly. <laughs> oh, so true, true. Susan, we could talk all day about this. Maybe we'll have to have you come back. Uh, I would another, love to. I'd love to. I'm a geek. I love talking about this stuff. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Um, thank you so much, Susan, for sharing your expertise, your knowledge. Um, and we look forward to, to the book. And uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, we'll include some links uh, that Susan's sharing with us in the show notes so that you can either reach out to her or look at some of her other books. Um, thank you again, Susan. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And we'll hopefully talk again soon. Thank you. And thanks to all of our listeners. Um, you know, the parting message that I always give is, you know, if you like these podcasts, please share them with friends, uh, hit the like and subscribe and all those good things. And uh, we really like to know what other topics you want to hear about. Um, if you have a, a guest or somebody that you think would be a, a good guest, um, please share that with us um, at Healthistic. Uh, so until our next episode, uh, happy compliance, everybody. Take care. Compliance Conversations is sponsored by Healthicity. Healthicity designs software and services that simplify compliance and auditing challenges that reduce your risk and save you money. Where others see complexity, we see simplicity. For more information, visit healthicity.com.